Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the 71st edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. Each week we pick some numbers of past or present Rider players that correspond with the number of the podcast. So number 71, of course, Bobby Jurison, uh, Plaza of Honor member, Gord Barwell, uh, Leif Pedersen, um, some couple of uh, tremendous guys and a couple of tremendous receivers who left us all too soon. So uh, there's our number 71s for the week. I'm a, quickly very, try- a select list. I'm quickly trying to find one for this year. I don't think there, I don't know if there is one. Sorry, I should have looked it up earlier. That's okay. You're, uh, you're absolved. Um, Keep talking. Murray McCormick is, is here with me, uh, sort of. <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> and uh, not a real d- challenge as far as picking out uh, the obvious storyline for this week and one that I frankly did not think we would be uh, digesting uh, in October. None. None uh, I can Rough see. Riders in first place at 10 and 4 uh, with Calgary looking up at them going to Calgary on a Friday night. Easy, uh, easy, <laughs> easy fare for us to, uh, um, to dine on today. Uh, you look, how is this possible? I still can't fathom what this team has done. It's just amazing. Uh, do we give Chris Jones credit for this? Because some of these guys are his players still. Like, and, and that's Moncrief. his coaching staff by it's large. It's his coaching staff by large. And maybe, and maybe in a weird sort of way, by leaving, gets the opportunity for Jeremy O'Day to step in there and get signed, have the foresight to sign Cody Fajardo, Corey Watson, Solomon Aluminium. Aluminium. Uh, Aluminium. Alamimian. Uh, Alamimian, okay. Alamimian. And William Powell and all these guys. Powell. Powell. Sorry, bad joke. (laughs) And is able to get these guys on the roster. LJ McCray, who's had a big game. And uh, so with Chris Jones out of the way, creates an opportunity for Jeremy O'Day, for Craig Dixon to be a head coach. Gets to change the whole picture, the whole atmosphere, the whole tenant tone to this team is absolutely 160 degrees changed. 160? 160. Sorry. <laughs> it's early in one, 180. We can't start this over again, can we, Mark? No? <laughs> be able to go right to number 72, Jim yes. Warden. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was a great podcast. Cleveland Van. Sorry. Uh, it's it's an incredible turnaround from when we think about where we were this time last year. And the Riders were on a, stro- on a roll last year about this time too, but they weren't as strong as they are now. And I think, as I said at the beginning of this summer, I missed meanderings. Chris Jones deserves some credit. John Murphy deserves some credit, too. Yeah, John Murphy. brought in a lot of those guys. John Murphy just got a – I think he was with Toronto all along, but he got hired as Toronto's director of personnel, which is something we can all talk about. So looking back to when things were in January and February and also unsettled, you wouldn't have picked this time. I know we kind of thought, like, how long Craig Dickinson lasts, but the foul salary cap protects him. But, yeah, they're they're a totally different team, and – Totally unexpected? Yeah, I would say totally. I thought this was going to be a team that at least this year might be caught between two cultures. Chris Jones has left, but his people are still here. Is there time for Jeremy O'Day, Craig Dickinson, and friends to apply their stamp uh, on this team, one that in many ways they inherited? Mm-hmm. And I thought this might just be a transitional year trying to gear up for 2020, especially with the Great Cup coming here with so many one-year contracts. Um I just wondered if this just wasn't destined to be their year. And I certainly wondered that three plays into the game against Hamilton when Zach Kalaros went down. So you you look at all the things that have been thrown in front of this team that may be perceived or were perceived as obstacles, and it turns out they were opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then the glass was half full. Yeah, full. And you you look at the offensive line with all the injuries and changes, and we're wondering, what are they doing? Why are they sitting Thaddeus Coleman? Why is, you know... uh, 
these guys sitting in all the injuries. Brendan Labatt's gone for the whole um, – what well, comes back. It was going to be gone for the whole season. And Darius, Blue, Darius yep. Bladick and Dakota Shepley and Dan Clark. The uncertainty with Dan Clark. So the offseason – Kobe Cofield got hurt. Yeah. So the Dan Clark was in a car accident. So the offseason was filled with accident. so many reasons for them not to be here. Yeah. And they've still managed to somehow overcome them and be in for – now, are they going to be in first place come November 3rd? You know, that they've, they've got to beat Calgary. I think – Beating Calgary by 28 is pretty big. That is a big ask, and I think that's the way. But it doesn't wipe out their chances by any stretch. But I still think. But if they just beat Calgary, they're in excellent shape. Yeah, especially when you consider BC, Edmonton, Edmonton to finish off. Yeah. Whereas Calgary's got Winnipeg twice. Because yeah, yeah, just a win is a win is a win, and a win with points is even better. I I can't see them getting 28 points on Calgary. You never know. Hey, 1963, little miracle at Taylor Field. Riders need to win by 27. And they won. Okay. So, well, that was. But that was a long time ago. But it can it can happen. They would need a they would need a little miracle. A little sprinkle of twenty nineteen and a big wallop of Jesus uh, on this one. Yes. We'll pass this one. And but uh, just winning that game would 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 be would yeah. be massive in terms of Calgary would really have to do something to catch them. But even after the, we saw what happened in the Banjo Bowl, would you have said the Riders would go out there and stomp the line, the, the Blue Bombers in, their th- in Game 3? Like, we expected a much tighter game, and it was... Well, they didn't really stomp. It was close into was the close. First, fourth quarter. Yeah, but you okay, maybe beat them. I You kind of thought the Blue, Bom- well, Blue Bombers without Matt Nichols are a whole different team. This was a Blue Bombers team with Andrew Harris, who they pretty well shut down, with Willie Jefferson, who was... Totally invisible. Totally, Where'd totally, he go? Yeah, so there's... And, and Cody Fajardo was good. He wasn't great, but he was good. Good enough. Shaq Evans. Didn't get himself into trouble, nope. whereas the, the Bombers kept throwing, kept yeah. turning over the ball inside the red zone or and, inside, inside the uh, Saskatchewan territory. And Shaq Evans has had been kind of quiet a little bit, and then he explodes. And that, that 61-yard touchdown, or 64, the touchdown catch, seven yards, little dump pass, and then turns on the speed. I didn't... I realized he was fast. I didn't realize he was that fast. Remember, we thought KD Cannon was going to be the, huh. the speed guy back when you wrote about him. Yeah, I, I, th- I was thinking, you know, okay, Shaq Evans is coming off a decent, you know, a decent year, but no touchdowns, lots of drop passes, and I thought KD Cannon um, would come in and he might be the guy that yeah. Shaq Evans really wasn't last year. And uh, in today's best-selling edition of the Leader Post, I pretty much ate that one and, and drank it. Um and just totally emulsified it in as many ways as possible because was I wrong there? And Shaq, uh, Shaq, half, Shaq Evans has been absolutely amazing, and he had half the yardage <laughs> from yeah. that game. Like, and that was that more than pl- that, more than that, and that one one ninety three of two. And he turned Winston Rose and that's a good DB. That's a good DB, isn't he? Have three or four, five picks, I think. He's uh, more, I think. He's been great. Yeah, and he just turned him inside out, and that that catch he made that bobbling one where Winston Rose. Made a great play to get his hands on it, and then he bobbles it and bobbles it, and then made the great catch. It was on our front page with a picture of his eyes wide open and everything. That was pretty cool. But defensively, you know, you got to talk about them a little bit. Like they're doing, they they kind of how many sacks? I think four. I should know that off the top of my head against Winnipeg. They uh, what what they did most effectively was Which, move, Winnipeg moved the ball or yeah. got field position that was so advantageous. And they're inside rider territory when they're picked off twice. Yeah, A.C. Yeah. Leonard with the strip sack and the fumble recovery. And not only that, after I think the Bombers began a possession on Saskatchewan's 32 in the second half, and the defense stopped and they settled for a field goal. Yeah. So the field had been tilted in the second half in the Bombers' favor, and they had three points to show for four possessions inside Saskatchewan territory. And Chris Treveller 
they tackled him better. They were a much better tackling team. And I remember in the Banjo Bowl, it was kind of like watching a high school team. That was that long run where he put two or three different spins on guys and just made them look silly. Yeah. And I can't – I'm at practice. I, I don't know how you – and the, the CFL rules, it's pretty hard to practice tackling. There's no pads. There's, there's just drills and stuff. But maybe it's just a want to. And that they had the want to tackle Chris Strowler and make him stop. And they did a great job of that. And on, and, and relatively on Andrew Harris who I think hurt his shoulder quite early. He went out right before the halftime, but was back. But was back, but he wasn't very effective after that. He hasn't been that effective since he came back from the suspension. So, So. uh, yeah, maybe that's... The Bombers haven't been very effective since he came back from the suspension. You and I have been around a long time. I always find it interesting. Everyone talks about how good you got to be in the summer and before Labor Day and stuff, but how many of those teams carry that on? Be so dominating in the first half of the season, and then Calgary does it regularly, sorry. Winnipeg's been notorious for that. You know, they're the boys of summer. Yeah, but they're not Mr. October. No, they're enough no baseball cl- analogies for the day. No, like do you, do you, what do you, they're going on the road for the playoffs. Do you think that kind of locked them up? They're going to be out. You would, they, you would think they so. They got to play Calgary twice, and I think the third team's BC. But yeah. they, I don't know. I don't know how much hope you can hold out for the Bombers. But no. there's still a month before, more than a month before playoffs, and all it takes is one injury to to change everything. Okay. And the way the way play, marquee players have been falling this season, can, can you bet against? Well, how about something that the, 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 can you be sure that the status quo and the rosters are, are as they're constituted today are still and the depth charts are still in effect come playoff time? Do you That'll cross your fingers game. when Cody takes off with the ball, or do you say let's just enjoy this guy who knows how to run the ball, knows knows how to protect himself? Because he took a pretty good wallop on one run where they spin the guy hit him and then he took another hit right off. Of and that. he, uh, of course, there was the. The, the hurdle into the bench and into the Gatorade. Yes, yeah. There was one play where he got flattened. I think he was just releasing the ball on the screen pass near the goal line. Yes. That and was. someone pancaked him. And I thought, uh-oh. Yeah. And he kind of got up a little slowly, but then it was, okay, he's fine. Yeah. And uh, well, the, way, the way he plays, it's he's got to run the ball to be for that offense to be as effective as it yeah. has been because he's a weapon there. But is that also exposing him to – to injury in a, in a year when quarterbacks are falling left and right as the riders and the riders began that trend on June 13th. Can you be certain that something, some kind of misfortune is not going to befall Cody Fajardo before then? Because it's, it just takes, it takes one hit to change everything. And that's been so true this entire year. But I guess, and it's a whole other different level. And I'm not comparing it's just different as men against words, but I don't think he got hurt in high school. He played all through college playing that style of game and didn't get hurt. And he's just doing also maybe, Maybe he just knows how to look yeah. after. Damon himself. Allen played into his forties yes. and was able to withstand. You know, yeah. as a mobile quarterback, Kerry Joseph. I guess that's the best example from Ryder history in terms of a running quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kerry Joseph was also effective through the air, but I mean, he was such a weapon along the ground in two thousand and seven, and he didn't miss a he didn't miss a start in terms of at least as far as injuries were concerned in oh seven the, for the Riders' final game. In Edmonton, Marcus Crandall started, but they were just resting Kerry Joseph. So, and he took some hits, and he took on tacklers, and he he fought for extra yardage, and he made it through that season yeah. unscathed, and was ultimately a champion. So it can happen. Tracy Ham was able to to run his way into the Hall of Fame. Um, he was more judicious later in his career. So running quarterbacks can last into their thirties, and Cody Fajardo is only twenty seven. But this year, I think, given everything that's happened. And I may be belaboring it, but you have a reason to be wary or a little concerned because it's just one of those years where things can change in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, can be. Did you get enough uh, pictures of Lori Fajardo and watching the podcast? So I, I was actually I. You I fast was, forward. I bet. No, I was I. I watched the video three times, and I thought, I thought, should I watch it the fourth time just to see how many times she was on there and chart it? Because last year when TSN did the uh, when the riders were in Montreal, and 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 it was the the love in with Johnny Manziel. I went back and counted how many times they mentioned Johnny Manziel oh, yeah. during the telecast compared to Zach, compared Manziel. to compared to Zach Kalaros. Mm-hmm. And so I did a I did a running tally of the I did the Manzelometer. And so I thought, should I go back a fourth time and see how many times, how many, how much, what percentage of the broadcast uh, in terms of time and how many times she was on there? And uh, I thought, no, I think I've I've watched this game three times. I watched it once and then I realized, where was Willie Jefferson? Did he get hurt? So I watched it again to see, okay, Willie Jefferson did play in that game. And then I thought, okay, um, what percentage of the plays was he in there? And it occurred to me that the riders were getting rid of the ball so quickly that it was tough for Willie Jefferson or anybody to really get in. The Bombers had a number of sacks, but as far as Willie Jefferson, he was neutralized. So I watched it a third time and timed the amount of the average, the release time of each pass to see if they even had a chance to, if Willie Jefferson even had a chance. And the 60% of the riders' passes were released under two seconds. There just wasn't time to get to Cody Fajardo and that's a that's a testament to Stephen McAdoo another holdover from the Chris Jones mm. re- regime uh, schematically the riders were much better in this game offensively they just got rid of the ball so quickly that Willie Jefferson couldn't get there and if you look at defensively and you mentioned it earlier they did a much better job of against Chris Streveler yeah. just we go back to that quarterback draw, the second play of the Banjo Bowl, where Chris Strebler <laughs> ran for yeah. 17 yards and a first down. And the Riders had vacated the middle of the field. Their linebackers were somewhere near Dauphin. Mm-hmm. But look at the right before halftime, it's second and 12. They try the quarterback run. And once Chris Strebler gets past the line of scrimmage, there's a committee of people waiting for him. That's what I wrote. Down. Solomon Alamimian, most notably. I wrote down gang tackling a lot in my notes of yeah. the game, and I noticed that. And that's what. Craig Dickinson mentioned that, getting a lot of guys for the ball. We want 12 people in the frame is what he mentioned on Friday. And I noticed that a lot, and that's a big part of the way their defense played. I just want to mention Laura Fajardo was – she was animated. She was fun. They didn't mention that John Ryan's wife was sitting beside her. Right beside her, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Colonna. Colonna. And she was – I kept looking at anything because she she plays an actress on this – my probably one of my favorite series, Shameless. And she doesn't look like the same actress. She probably never – but I, she got in the elevator. My, my – Brush with fame is she happened to get in the elevator when standing right beside me and I being an unabashed fan, I says, You're amazing on Shameless and she looks at me and smiles and I said, Oh hi, I'm Murray And her books are hilarious. And I, I haven't read her books. Oh, they're great. So I, I said, But I'm Murray McCoy. Oh, I follow you on Twitter and then we chatted a little bit. Now this is, doesn't have but she said I said, Must be a big change for you from watching American football all your life to all now you're coming up here. She goes, Yeah, the three downs and the timing and everything and I said, you got to see John Punt a lot. She goes, yeah, that was kind of nice, but it's still been a bit of an adjustment. And then the crowds pulled in and our conversation had, but it was pretty cool to see that. And I also think, and I'm going to mention Cody, he lifted her out of the stands at the end of the game. And she doesn't look like a very huge, big, big girl, but still it's a little bit of muscle there, a little bit of stuff. And, you know, the big kiss and it would just, Cody's so real and makes the covering the game so much fun that is scrumped. And he's just, after the, his post-games comes and pre-games moments are just so different than anything I've been used to. I, mean, I don't think we've seen a quarterback. You may talk about Ken Austin and Darian Durant, but not like the way Cody does. Cody, like, 
my wife's in town and throws a story he'll, in her laps. He'll peel back so many layers. Yeah, and, and even if you if you're looking at the opposing defense, for example, he will tell you what type of style yeah. and volunteer the information. What type of defense they're us- they usually employ? Calgary plays his own. Montreal doesn't rush yeah. the passer. They don't blitz as much, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he'll let you. He'll open some windows as yeah. far as as far as strategy and uh, and 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 just about his life. He's he's a as open a book as someone in a position of such prominence can be or has been, and that's it's an amazing. And it's there's nothing contrived, there's nothing manufactured. He just, he, I mean, you've you've dug into his past and talked to people who coached him in high school and in college, and everything that people are seeing now is what he has been when the spotlight wasn't as bright, when there weren't ten reporters around him everywhere he he um, showed up uh, every time he played. Yeah. He's he's just he's a genuine. On his bye week, he he shows up at Mosaic Stadium to work with uh, work yeah. with inner city kids at a, in a football camp. He didn't have to do that. He was on his own yeah. time, and that time is precious. And some of these quarters are intensely private. Yeah. During Durant, we knew about him as a football player. You didn't know what he did away from the field very often. You didn't hear about him doing kind of things. Zach Kalarich, you didn't really know what he did away, but. Cody throws it all out there yeah, and let us know how he is. Uh, a guy mentioned I was having lunch with you yesterday, and he said, you know, it must be fun covering a guy like that because he mentioned Chris Jones, and Chris Jones made you guys really work, and there wasn't there really this conduit between the fans as much because Chris Jones wasn't willing to share information. And he says, it's just no, you can notice the difference with Craig Dickinson and, and, uh, and Cody. And always they're winning too. Like if yeah. they're four and whatever – Maybe this isn't quite the yeah. open. When the Riders won three games in 1999, Steve Sarkeesian was a tremendous guy to talk to, but nobody really cared at that point that Steve Sarkeesian was pretty much an open book too because the Riders were a bad team. Yeah. So that changes a lot of things. Uh, four years ago, 2015, Brett Smith was a tremendously nice person. Yeah. And in fact, he reminded me, as I look back now, there's a lot of parallels between Brett talking to Brett Smith and talking to Cody Fajardo, just two tremendously nice people. But the riders kept losing. Kept we're in losing. the midst of a losing season with Brett Smith, a quarterback. So nobody really cared that much about the personality. And he exuded personality. Yeah. But like you said, the team wins, and that changes everything. And it does change. You can feel the whole difference in the, in the all around now. People are on Twitter and stuff. There's more rider fans are getting to be their regular selves, a little little bit arrogant, a little bit obnoxious, which is fine. And having That's our job. The, I, I you know having fun with it. And I think this is a team that they can really start having fun with. And, you know, the Grey Cup's coming here in 2020. I think it's going to be, all this is going to build towards that sort of, because uh, they announced the tickets last week for sale. And if I can throw, I, I don't have to pay for them. So I want, maybe not. I think their tickets are reasonable considering you got a 35,000 seat stadium. Still, it's, but, when but, you're but, pushing $500 but what do you in, sp- this, in this league where... They always pride themselves on being affordable. But, but isn't what, that really but pushing that it? Would it I, I know, but isn't that what it costs to put on the game too? Isn't there some sort of cost to the game? Oh, sure, know. but when you're pushing five hundred. So, what, bucks what do you think is a reasonable amount? To, like, I, I trying to like. I would cut a hundred bucks off that top would price. They, would you? Yeah, especially if you look at. The but they're giving you twenty five bucks off that top price. Like, look at look at this game against Winnipeg, a virtual playoff game, and they don't get thirty one thousand people in a stadium with thirty three thousand three hundred fifty seats. So if you look at the magnitude of that game and the fact that there were there was a four digit total of empty seats, you start thinking, okay, now you're talking 
Grey Cup a year from now, and there's no guarantee the riders are going to be in it, and and that ticket price is pushing five hundred dollars. Yeah. But that's just for wonder the, that's if for that's, the premium seat, though. Oh sure, but they got to sell them. If yeah. they if they don't sell all thirty five thousand seats, it's kind of embarrassing when you got such a small capacity. I like this idea of the more standing room, and I think I like, and I I know we can differ on this, but. Uh, I like how they recognize it's a different – people watch football differently now. They don't sit in their seats. They wander around. They want to talk. They want to meet at the concession stand. They want to watch the game on TV, and then in the fourth quarter, they're going to retreat to their seats and watch the games. I think they've done a great job of recognizing that. Another thing, and I know it surprised me when they didn't announce 45,000 seats or 40 to 40 because that's – you and I thought that was going to be the seating for the Great Cup. Yeah. That, and then they it said was, they always said expandable to forty thousand, yeah. sort of so, like my belt. But size. they mentioned that you know the concert wouldn't be as good of a fan experience. The concessions would be more cramped, the concourse would be more cramped, be more lineups for bathrooms and and all of these things. And I like that thinking that just because you can put them in there, just don't put them in there. Like I I can't remember ninety five what fifty five thousand were like. And Mosaic oh, Stadium. I can't imagine I how they... I remember that. I was, I, my, my assignment was to be in the stands that day. So how did they deal with... I know they had a whole bunch of bathrooms out there and portables. The and, south end zone was absolute... It was absolute bedlam. So... Nobody could move. Yeah, so... And then you have Half that... time was horror. So that's... What kind of experience did those people have? Other than they were at a great cup between two teams that were... And the Riders were in it. Fast forward to, uh, you know, 2013. Another jam-packed place, I think, because the Riders were in there. It might have been Lily. So... But that was only forty four thousand yeah. compared to compared to fifty one thousand. What a great! I know. 50, I still have that. I have an office at home, but I still have a picture of those the four tickets of girls. I was I was on the right beat for some reason back then, but and we went to that game, and we have an aerial photo of that statement. Not from the game, from when they played Calgary. Fifty five thousand four hundred thirty eight people on that beautiful fall afternoon. It was an absolute gorgeous day, and I still have that picture. And I look back, and I remember being warm and everyone having fun and. That many, that many people all in love with the CFL and the Riders. And it was, still it was a bad Rider team. They still won 25-20 that day over, yeah. over but the you remember Jeff that, that was. Oh, yeah. In fact, there's a chapter on that game in my book that's <laughs> was, coming out in November. Oh, so, good. Well, that's uh, a nice one to see. That's, yeah. So. so do we ask, do we want to throw out how the Riders are going to do today? On, on uh, Sorry, on yeah. Friday? Sorry, I'm trying to, I, this may cause some people to click off. Goodbye, if you were so inclined. Um, I picked Calgary to win until Calgary shows that they're 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 uh, they're down on the canvas and and the eight count has taken place. I'm I'm still picking Calgary to win that game. They're at home. They've got that's their turf. They won. They beat the Riders. It seems like eons ago by by 27 points. So I picked Calgary to win. You go in there in the playoffs. It's a different story. Yeah. I, I will throw in a caveat. Riders went into Calgary in October of in October of 2017 and won, and they they won there last year. Zach Kalaros with his best game as a rider exactly. the year before. It was a Duran Carter interception return against Bo Levi's. So, going into Calgary and winning this time of year is not foreign to the Rough Riders. Um, I'm not sure it's a bad thing, even necessarily not to finish first. Go into Calgary as the second place team. Riders have done that and su- and successfully in the past. So Calgary can be had in the playoffs. Um, I think Calgary's going to win this game. I don't think that necessarily portends a disastrous finish of the season for the Riders, but I'm I got Calgary winning by a point, two points. I think the Riders are going to win, but I don't think they're going to cover. I think getting 28 points is asking a lot. That's uh, that's that's ridiculous. That's, and that would mean a perfect defensive effort, pretty well. To, and Bo Levi, you know, slammed. I think he played pretty well against Montreal. I don't think it was four, over 450 yeah, yards. Yeah, and he would look like Bo Levi. And Bo Levi can do that. 
And I think if the riders are close, win on winning a close one, it still accomplishes something, gets them the win, and then they start looking at winning out more yeah. than you don't even look at the twenty eight points. No, but. you don't go into that unless it's a two total points thing like it was in nineteen sixty three. Yeah. You just go in. You want to win the game, and then you've got you don't win the season series. Yeah, but. You're, you've got the upper hand on Calgary, and you've got a schedule that, despite the fact there's three road games in, in mm-hmm. succession, it's still a favorable schedule when you look at the caliber of opposition. Well, and, and you look at the timing of it; like, there's no short weeks. There's like there's a Friday game, Friday game, and then Edmonton's on a Saturday because of the Heritage Classic. Yeah, so and they, they charter so, yeah, and they're going to leave early. They're going to they're get out of town for the Heritage Classic early because I think they want to holler when Mosaic Stadium's going to shut down. They're going to have to practice at U of R, Libel Field. So they've got to get out and try to get things more organized. And then they close against Edmonton. And by then, who knows what Edmonton's going to mean, is going to be like by then. They're yeah. just sort of, sort of floundering and plummeting. But they're, they're still going to get in the playoffs, so yeah. one would think. We've got some questions, by the oh, way. Holy I'd like to address them really quickly before we sign off today. Um, from Nathan Frank. Uh, do you think the Riders will pick up a proven backup, maybe James Franklin or McLeod Bethel Thompson? When, uh, tomorrow? By the trade deadline. No, uh, I don't, absolutely not. I don't think that they're going to go there, uh, especially James Franklin. McLeod Bethel Thompson is leading the league in touchdown passes, but there's yeah. got to be a reason the Argos aren't exactly, inclined yeah. I, to play him. I don't, or, I don't see any big – I don't know what they're going to trade for right now. With the trade deadline tomorrow, there's really no. That's that's a testament to Jeremy O'Day and and to Paul Jones as well. Yeah. That they're they're pretty deep. They there's could no, use, they could no, have used a younger international receiver just to, just for Manny Arsenal, and they signed JWL. So maybe that is their trade. Jordan Williams Lambert. Maybe that's their. We had more questions, and I'm just flipping through my uh, All right, well, timeline. Do you want to sing or something, Murray, while I just find the other question? Uh, <laughs> want to talk about Great Cup fit-up? No. <laughs> what day are you on now? This is day 54, and if you don't know what Great Cup fit-up is, I'm going to brag a little bit of myself. Back in August, somewhere at 16th, Brody Lawson of the CFL posted a thing that said uh, because she wanted to be active for 100 consecutive days because the Great Cup was away, was 100 days away. So I've been working out, and I thought, well, I'll throw my name in there. And today was day 54 in the basement of the McCormick Mansion, and it's working. It's been a lot of fun. It's a great community. It's kind of neat to be welcomed into that other world. And no, you've done amazing with that. I'm hoping to extend <laughs> my streak to two later on today. Um, Jordan Klamosko had a, a few questions. Um, does William Powell usage also remind you of West Cates? I think they can use William Powell a little oh, more. Yeah. And maybe they will. You've got to remember, this is a 31-year-old back, and the weather's getting colder. So maybe they, maybe they're easing up on the throttle a bit, thinking they're going to really need to pound the ball with William Powell yeah. down yeah. the stretch and maybe save some wear and tear, wear and tear on Cody Fajardo in the process. Yeah, I think that. But I, I think they can get – I still think they can give him the ball a little bit more. A little bit more. Um, but sometimes the game dictates that, too. Yeah. Like, the, it's – still remember, folks. I know we all talk, i got to run. It's a passing league. Yeah. The bottom line is the CFL is a passing league and a great running back's wonderful to have and he sets up the pass, but you're still throwing the ball. And Cody Fajardo is part of the, of the running game, running attack yeah, too. We forget that yeah, that's, too. Like, that's taking some carries They both away. would have 10, 11 rushing touchdowns? 11 and They 10? both have 10. Both have 10. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Barmers try to keep Matt Nichols or Chris Streveler. I think, I don't think Ryder fans really realize what Darian Durant meant to the team until, and people like to pick on Darian Durant despite all he accomplished. But then when he got hurt in 2014, people realized oh. how important he was. And I think Bombers fans and the Bombers, as much as Matt Nichols was picked apart and maligned and, and categorized as a game manager, when that isn't really necessarily a bad thing, 
Uh, I think there's a lot of people who are clamoring for Chris Streveler who would love to see Matt Nichols behind center again. This is probably helping Matt Nichols' cause uh, because you don't know what you got till you till, till it's gone sometimes. Am I reading that correctly? Yes, I have a friend of mine who despised Darian Durant. I'd see him again <laughs> and again. I kept saying, how can you despise <laughs> Darian Durant? I just didn't like him. I was going, well... Now he's gone. Did you like you the West final in twenty West semifinal in twenty thirteen? Yeah, do you know? Do you love it? What do you think now that he's gone? And then we went, yeah, but he still doesn't like Durant. I don't understand why. Some I, people, you never know. Some people are just that way. Th- that way, yes, exactly. And uh, that about wraps it up. Unless there's anything you'd like to to add. Mm-hmm. Nope. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yes, be kind of nice. Fr- I, we'll go back then. I was initially against the Saturday games because I think the CFL should own its market. But boy, have I come on board now with these Friday and Saturday games and leaving Sunday free. Leave it's Sunday just, for the NFL. It's wonderful. But, but play on Sundays in the summer. You know, play yeah. those, keep your Sunday games, speak to the ones. But once the NFL kicks in and once this stuff, I think the CFL, and I think the games are better. The guys get more rest. There's none of these short weeks in the last part of the season that I don't know if they happen as much as before they try to vote. But I think Saturday games, yes, Randy and Brosie, way to go from uh, the, sand, well, the heavy slate of Saturday games. Triple header. Fortunately, I get to go to one of those games. I don't know. I was home when we had the bye week, and I watched three games in a row. That's work. There was one Saturday when they had three games in a row, and all of them were dogs. Yeah. So and I think it was the day the Riders played Toronto. And uh, I was like, this is so awful. Yeah. So, But, but then there was a, uh, the Broncos won, so I guess you're happy. The Broncos, the Broncos beat beat uh, San Diego. Why do I keep, I'll always say San Diego. They beat the Los Angeles Chargers, so and that's a wonderful thing. the Steelers lost to the stinking Ravens and... Mike Tomlin kicked off to start the What was that? It actually didn't hurt them, kind of. Still. Still. You take the ball. Take the damn ball. There's a lot of yelling going on at my TV when that moment was going on. And it didn't didn't end up beating him the fumble by Juju Schuster-Smith. Smith-Schuster. Smith-Schuster. Alamillion. Dyslexics on tie. That's what I was going to say. All righty. We are done. Uh, Please please read our big sign-off, and then we will will depart. And we'll mention that Rob and I had attempted we're going to keep this short and sweet and tight and we're long and winded and <laughs> yeah but at least we got juju smith schuster in the in the rider podcast that's right we haven't mentioned duran carter for a long long time no we did we did get him in though okay. I, I didn't get so yeah we we broke that slump yep if you enjoy the podcast please leave a review and a five-star rating it helps us grow the podcast you can subscribe to the show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts if you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or Murray at MurrayLP. Or if you want to follow me on Instagram, Murdog36. What's your Instagram? Don't follow me on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Are you on Instagram? I, just, friend, just friends for Instagram. So. Okay. Yep. All right. Sorry. I went. Anyway. But uh, anyway, for Murray McCormick and his uh, amazing training regimen, <laughs> I'm Rob. I'm looking for a buffet. Uh, we'll do this again <laughs> next week with number 72. Thanks for joining us today and uh, have a good one.